But one of the things that I want to speak about this morning is kind of a, a broad topic, and it's kind of one of those things that uh, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, if not, maybe it's just me that struggles with, but hearing from God. Do you ever struggle with just hearing from God? Now, I know God speaks. I know that to be true, and I've heard His voice, and I've heard Him speak in different ways, but sometimes we don't always hear Him. And so we're going to take a look today, a little bit briefly, at some of the ways that God speaks to his people, to the person he's calling, and then hopefully how he speaks to us. And my prayer is that he actually speaks to you this morning, because that's one of the ways that God can do that, is speaking through us, through preaching and teaching and through his word. So we're going to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if not, Ike will put it up there for you. First Samuel, yes, I'm still in the Old Testament, spending some time there. Um, God's got me there. Uh, hanging out in the Old Testament. I don't know why he does that, and sometimes it's not a bad thing of my own comfort level. Sometimes I get stuck in the New Testament, um, and that's not a bad thing in the New Testament, but it's, it's easier to preach out of the New Testament, to be honest. As a pastor, to do sermons, uh, application comes out of there. It's during the church, and that time, it's easier to flow. But you know what? Every once in a while, we need to go back to the Old Testament, because God is the same God, and God is faithful, and he has lessons to be learned through the Old Testament as well. And so, in short, that's why we're in the Old Testament this morning. I don't know about someone need, needed that explanation or not, but you got it anyways for free. So, if you remember 1 Samuel, we talked a little bit last week about Samuel's birth, right? And Mother's Day and that joyous occasion and how Hannah, his mother, had dedicated him to the house of the Lord. And so, Samuel's been serving in the not the temple, because the temple hasn't been built yet, but he's been serving in the, the tent of meeting where everything was located. It's like a temporary shelter place that, that's where they're meeting. And Eli, the priest, is in charge of him and his duties. And Samuel is growing up under that influence. And again, not growing up in the normal setting of his parents, because remember, Hannah dedicated him to the Lord. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story. So we're just going to read a little bit. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, The boy named Samuel, ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One you got to understand about in the Old Testament, quite often, God would use the, the priest or the prophet of the time to be the mouthpiece for the Lord. And it would kind of funnel through one man and then go out from there. It's not like it is today where God can speak to many people, multiple people at the same time. Then he tended to use one person for the whole nation of Israel. And, the, and the, the, the phrase here that the visions were rare and that God wasn't speaking, it was probably more to do that Israel was not listening or not in a place where they could listen. So, and that happens. Sometimes, you know, we're just not at that place where we can receive what God is saying. Or the right relationship going well. We're not in the right place. We're not in the right frame of mind. We're not in the right relationship to receive. And that's where Israel finds its place. And of course, Eli has had some problems. We, we kind of hinted on that last week. And if you took me up on the challenge and you read a little bit ahead, which is what I hope you do every once in a while when I give those little readings and a little extra credit, homework, whatever you want to call it. But Eli had failed in the fact that his sons were corrupt. And they were not good priests, and they were not taking on the role that Eli had said. And Eli was letting it go. He was a father who kind of took his hands off and said, well, the sons will do what they're going to do. So he's complacent. And again, God's going to judge him for that and going to judge him 
pretty severely, but again, God was speaking that time through one man, and so it was important. So that's the backdrop a little bit to this. So verse 2, don't worry, we're not going to pick through every verse that long, don't worry. I know lunch is at, what, 2 o'clock, right? No. Talk and preach long enough, then we won't have to work as much, right, Brandon? No, just kidding. Sure, no, no, not true. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lie down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I'm going to stop right there real quick. You that are parents, you probably understand this pretty well, right? When you're sleeping and your kid comes to the side of your bed, right, the last thing you want to do is deal with them. And when they're old enough to, to go back to their bed on their own, you, Samuel's be sending them back, right? And you kind of just roll over and, and don't pay much attention. But Samuel's being called here. And again, he's going to his master. He's being obedient. He's doing what he believes he should do. But the reason he doesn't recognize that it's not Eli and the Lord, because it says here in the Scripture that he didn't really know him yet. He hadn't recognized the Lord's voice. Again, that can be us very easily. Some of us, and some of us maybe even here this morning, have not come to that point where we would even recognize God's voice. Again, we, we get that um, as God's drawing us to himself as believers. Um, but even new believers, or even old believers, sometimes we lose track of God speaking. We don't recognize his voice anymore. It kind of gets muddled in with everything else that's going on. And so we have to be careful of that. We need to be in tune with what God is saying and be listening for God's voice and know that it's God's voice and not coming from another direction or from someone who's not of God. So again, there's a couple of lessons to be learned there as well. But as Eli does, he, Eli sends him back, back to bed. Say, I'm going to go. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. At this point, probably Eli is a little bit, you know, aggravated, he's losing sleep, he's an older man, his kid's bugging him, and he says, oh, wait a minute. Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling at, as he did at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. And at that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I have spoken against his from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the, 
the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Eli wants to know now. Can you imagine the first time that you hear from God, the message that he gives you is, hey, the person that's in charge of you, your master, has been messing up, and I'm going to bring judgment on him. Who wants to deliver that message? Right? Nobody, right? You know, this is someone that you've respected, someone you've been put under authority, and now the first message you get, the first time God speaks to you is, you've got to go and tell him, hey, you know what? What God said about you and your family is going to come true. And again, it's, it's pretty severe. God's going to allow them, his family, to be cut off, to die at an early age. In fact, his two boys are going to die on the same day. And Eli himself is going to be, his life is going to be taken. All because of the sin of not disciplining his, his boys when he should have. So again, you can understand that Samuel's holding back a little bit. He says, I'm not so sure that I want to give this message. This isn't a great message. Another point, sometimes when God speaks to us, it's not what we want to hear. It's what God wants to communicate to us. Right? Sometimes it's not an easy message. I know I've gotten some of those messages in my life when God spoke to me, and it's like, oh, Lord, um, you know, it puts me to my knees. It's like, I need to ask for forgiveness. But often he reveals a sin usually in my own life. It's usually not in someone else's life, but it's in my own life, and I need to deal with it. Again, it's not an easy message. I think sometimes it's easier to, to go tell someone else about their sin than it is to, to really work on my own sin. Again, those are some of the tough messages that God speaks. Again, he does that because he loves us. And again, Samuel, God is preparing Samuel to become the spiritual leader of Israel. He's going to be replacing Eli. And so that's what's going on here. But Eli is still in the picture. And again, Eli wants to know what, what is the message. So Eli calls him, and Samuel answers, Here I am. Verse 17. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me, so that God may deal with you ever so severely if you hide it from me, anything that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And again, even though it was tough news, Eli needed to hear it. Eli wanted to hear it. And so, as tough as that was, it was from the Lord, and Eli accepted that. Verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel, and he grew up, and he let none of the words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet to the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Again, remember, we, we started this off by the words were coming very infrequently. It was rare to hear from God, and now we're getting that there's more. God is speaking more and more through, through Samuel. It's interesting here, this, uh, the words, don't let the words fall to the ground. It's actually an archery term, and it was used quite often um, for people giving messages, but it was like, because it hit the mark. It was going to where it was. Don't let the, the arrow fall. If you that shoot, same thing with shooting a gun today, right? If you shoot something, you know, if you come up short of the target or you don't aim properly, it doesn't make it. And again, that's where that, that phrase comes from. And you see it in Scripture quite often, but don't let it fall. Don't let it come up short. Don't let, let it reach its intended and target is the, the message here. It's kind of just on the side, but it was kind of interesting when I was studying that and thinking about that, about how sometimes what God... 
we, we don't complete the mission or we don't go all the way through or we, we modify what God tells us to do. But again, Samuel is now being raised up and Samuel at this juncture is a teenager. He's a young boy at this point. He's not really gotten to that age. Again, when it talks about a, a boy, he hasn't reached the age of 13. And most put him somewhere in that 11 to 12 range um, as he's coming up. Um, so it's a young man that God is using, but God has spoken to this young person in the middle of the night repeatedly to bring him. So Samuel does hear him, but it's in an interesting way. And aren't we thankful that God speaks to us in different ways? We're going to look at another passage for us. Again, it's similarly, it's a different way that God speaks to us. So if you, again, if you have your Bible, if not, I think Ike has it for us again. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to jump a couple thousand years forward, that's all. Um, but to one of the more interesting characters in the Bible, at least for me, is Eli. And I, I like, I mean, uh, Elijah, not Eli. Eli's done with. Eli's going to, I am even mixing up my, my guys now. But Elijah, Elijah's a prophet. And again, he's one of my favorite prophets because in some ways in, in ministry, if you follow Elijah's life, you can actually almost mirror it because it's some of the, the ups and the downs. In fact, this passage uh, Chapter 9 from different angles. I think I've preached it like three different ways. And again, not that I've changed the scripture, but just from different angles looking at it. But if you know anything about Elijah, Elijah is kind of like the lone wolf. He's the, the one person that's kind of leading the charge against the queen. And the queen at the time is Jezebel. Again, you don't want to be called Jezebel. That's not, not someone you want to aspire to be like. And um, again, they're following Baal and the worship sacrificing children. It's an awful time that Elijah becomes this prophet. And again, God is judging his land severely. But Elijah goes through all of that, and he has this victory on Mount Carmel um, where they defeat. You know, I don't know if you know the story or not, but it's a showdown with Baal and God. And again, if you haven't read it in a while, I would encourage you this week to look at chapter 18 in 1 Kings. It's a great story. You could make a movie from it, and it would work out really well. Um, but it's a great story that God puts in there for us to show his power and his might. But at the end of the day, Elijah is still being chased after by Queen Jezebel, and, and there's a bounty out on his head, and he gets discouraged. Anybody identify with that? Getting discouraged? I mean, he's doing what God wants him to do, but he get, he's getting discouraged. In fact, he gets so depressed and discouraged that he runs out into a desert to basically die. I mean, you run out without any food, without any water, without any help. There's a bounty on your head. You run out in the desert. He's going out there to die. He's committing suicide. He's just, he just, he's done. But God speaks to him, brings someone into his life, an angel of the Lord, again, a foreshadowing we believe of, of Jesus, comes and speaks to him and sends him to a mountain. And that's where we pick up this story. Again, I'm giving you a quick Reader's Digest version. So when you're reading chapter 18, read into the beginning of 19 as well. But we'll pick up the story here in verse 9. So he went to the cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah that is, and God says to him, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds to him and says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And I was giving you that background because that's important. You kind of get to see where 
Elijah is, and he's kind of complaining to God a little bit, right? He's saying, hey, God, I've seen you do great things, and, and I've done all these things for you, and yet I'm the only one left. There's nobody following me. I'm a leader. You've called me to be this leader, and guess what? There's nobody behind me, or at least that's what Elijah thinks. He's all alone, and he's complaining to God. And you know what? That's okay. God's big enough and broad enough, and he loves you enough that you can go and complain to him. Because guess what? Sometimes that's what we need to do, get to that point so that we can hear from God. So then, verse 11, the Lord says to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Right? God wasn't in the the fire. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake and all the big things. It was that gentle whisper quiet whisper. I tell you, I think God has spoken more times in my life through those little quiet whispers than any time the big wake me up in the middle of the night speaking or the audible that, that we hear or we, we, we get in a vision or a dream or as God speaks to our inner core, it's that gentle little whisper. Again, I know friends that are always looking for that big sign. They want the neon sign. They want the, the big flashing or the confirmation and God's not in those things. It's just that quiet, gentle whisper. What, but what's the key to hear a gentle, quiet whisper? What's the key? Being still. Right, you've got be, to be listening for it. You've got to be open to it, and you've got to be listening. Again, Elijah's heard from God. God. Elijah's seen some great things. God's done many miracles through Elijah. And in fact, Elijah even tells us all the great things he, he did, Right? But God's not done with him yet, and it's that quiet, gentle whisper. That's how he wants to speak to him. In fact, Elijah's ministry is going to take a, an uptick from this point on, and he's actually going to get, get very busy and down and discouraged. This passage can be used for a couple different things because I think one of the things that helps us when we're down and discouraged is sometimes it's to get back to doing the things that God wants us to do. And it usually involves focusing um, not only on ourselves but on other folks. Again, that's a bonus. That's part of another message, so we'll leave that off to the side for now. But God says to him, in fact, God asks him the same question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I'm not mistaken, this is a repeat, right? This is just like a do-over, right? It kind of says more, not about God, but it says more about Elijah. He's not quite ready yet to receive what God has for him, but God doesn't give up on him. And I'd encourage you as well, do not give up looking or trying to listen, trying to hear what God is trying to say to you. So then the Lord says to him, go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus, Damascus, which was 40 miles, by the way, it's a long, long journey. Uh, It took him a long time to get across there. Then you go and anoint this king, anoint two kings, uh, Elijah, son of Saphat. He's going to get a a successor. 
He's going to get a proje, someone that he has to mend Israel. And guess what, Elijah? You're not alone. He says, in fact, I've reserved 7,000 in Israel who needs who have not have bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And that brings us all the way to verse 18, right? So he's not alone. In fact, he's got a vibrant ministry. In fact, he's got someone that he's got to raise up now and teach, and, and it brings him back to his ministry, which his ministry now will go on. In fact, Elisha ends up becoming even a greater prophet than Elijah does. So again, it's a great cure for that. But again, all because Elijah took time out to hear from the Lord. You say, well, that's great. That's how God spoke in the Old Testament. Well, that's true. God did speak that way. But guess what? God spoke that same way to some of the folks in the New Testament as well. Some of you know the story of Saul, right? On the road to Damascus, right? Bright light, one-on-one. God stops him in the middle of the road and speaks to him directly. Why, Saul? Why do you keep persecuting me? Again, he becomes Paul, the great missionary. Again, those are rare occasions when God stops and, and stops us in our tracks and speaks to us that way. But many, quite often times it's through those gentle whispers. But also today we have the other added benefit. Or I think we have a couple of added benefits today. And some of those benefits is we have the written word. God uses his word to speak to us. Again, it requires some action on our part. We have to open it up and read it. That's for one thing. Or on our phone or on our app or whatever. But we need to spend time in it. But I also encourage you to not only spend time reading it, but just kind of stopping and listening. Or as I like to say, marinate on it a little bit, right? Let it seep in a little bit. Take some time and think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm working on this in my own devotion, on my own time of hearing from God. Of just reading a passage and then just stopping and just letting it sit for a while. And trying not to start my day up or all the things I've got to do, but just start to let that word just seep in a little bit and just think on that and just giving time for God to speak. And we talk about prayer and how important prayer is. Prayer is another way that we can do that today, right? We can pray. We get to go directly to the throne room and ask Jesus and God directly. And guess what? He wants to answer that. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of sometimes saying, God, give him my list. God, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. Yep, amen, and I'm on my way. But I'm trying to, and again, in my own discipline, but hopefully encourage you, but to stop and listen. Maybe cut out some of the requests or pull them in a little bit and just spend that little bit of extra time just listening for the answer. Maybe God has the answer and he's just waiting for me to stop talking long enough to give me the answer and what I need to do, which is part of the solution to the problem. And again, concern, or at least at the very least, take it from me so that I'm not concerned about it anymore. And again, concern's a nice way of saying worried about it, which that happens. Um, but we need to take time to listen. That's part of it. So we have God's word. God can speak to us directly. We need to be listening. God does use other people. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. God uses this time of teaching, time of preaching. I also find that God uses sometimes outside sources. And I call them outside because um, they're not necessarily in Scripture, but they're through a study or through another book. God in my own life has spoken to me many times through a book that was written, sometimes by someone who's not even that I have no idea, don't know them, but God will use that book. Can I say this? I know this will sound bad, but sometimes God even uses a book that is not a Christian book. 
I've actually read some books that were clinical in, in nature, and, and, and God has used that in my life and spoken to me through that book, even though that's not what the intent of the author was, not the intent of the writer, or what the message was even, or wasn't even in a Christian realm, but God has used that in my life. Just like God's used both believers and unbelievers in my life to speak into it. God is not limited by the way that he can speak to you, but in all those cases, we need to be listening. And so that's my encouragement this morning is to be listening to taking the time to really listen for God's word. Because guess what? He has a message for each and every one of you. As believers, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you that wants to speak to you and guide you. And so that's my encouragement this morning to take time, take time this week, take time today even, and just let God speak to you directly. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning, Lord, and we thank you that you do still speak to your people. And Lord, as a church family, we want to hear from you. We want to, to know your will. We want to, to, we want to be used by you. And Lord, whether you speak to us directly or indirectly or through others, what help us to listen and to be obedient to what it is that you have for us to do. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for that blessing that we have, and we thank you that you've brought us here at this moment and this time, that we can hear from you from other sources, Lord, and that you will use those things in our lives. So Lord, speak to us, continue to speak to us, and may we be hearers and doers of the word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.